Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you're praying... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And whenever you fast... Do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they're fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let the Spirit of God speak through the words of our Lord. May we sing our response. So it's my job to pray in public, okay? I know I just read that passage, but let me lead us in prayer. Not as job, not as leader, but as pastor and people, we come to you in prayer. To be in your presence, to find that sacred rhythm that invites wholeness in life. Words of sermon will be spoken, but none more important than the word that you speak through your spirit into the hearts of people. 
So let those people who need to meditate on a word do so. Let those who need to hear a sermon listen. And may you speak to each and every one of us at the point of our need. In the name of the living word, Christ the Lord. Amen. So your pastor's a little tired this morning because there were some real patriots in our neighborhood who uh, just wanted to show how much they love America by staying up till all hours. And at some point, my patience wore thin, and I wanted to open the window and say, do you even know why you're shooting off firecrackers? What, what is, what is, you know, good, that's great. <laughs> Make a note to myself, no rhetorical questions. <laughs> That's lovely. I have a feeling these people shooting off the fireworks had little awareness about freedom, about these colonies being delivered from the hands of King George III and his taxation, his religious oppression how these colonies needed to be a free and independent people. That's what this weekend is about, and it seems timely that it coincides with this particular reading of these texts because it's alluding to a different kind of freedom. There are lots of kinds of freedoms, of course. Yesterday I was visiting in the jail with a young man, and to him the word freedom meant something more than shooting off firecrackers. To the family that's really struggling with a mountain of debt that they can't possibly see their way beyond. Freedom means something more than just celebrating our religious liberties. For families who are struggling, some of them struggling with addictions, others with uh, addictions to uh, uh, substance or addictions to habits, patterns, ways, some of them very socially acceptable, like working too much and too hard and too long. The words freedom, the word freedom means something entirely different. Today, many churches across the land are celebrating what they're calling Freedom from Racism Sunday. What a beautiful tribute to seek that capacity, whether we're black or white, young or old, rich or poor, gay or straight, to see the world through other people's eyes and to find that oneness that really is the heart of God. And so Jesus today offers in the sermon some warnings which are really loving invitations for people like you and me to find the freedom that moves us out beyond those things that keep us most bound, most bound, which have nothing to do with King George and really nothing to even to do with money, but it has to do with who we most deeply and fundamentally are inside of our souls. I'm talking about a freedom from our egos. Our egos. Here is a meaningful and important freedom that we, the people of God, uniquely have the capacity to be liberated from and to invite others to be freed from. I remember in high school when they were first trying to explain ego to me. I thought it was something like a nerve in your body, something that uh, responded or reacted in, in a certain way. 
But the ego has really more to do with spirit. It has to do with our sense of who we are and our human capacity to be afraid and to be worried and insecure where we try to please others and please ourselves all as a way to validate our worth. Everyone has an ego. Everyone is in his or her own way dragged around by our egos. Our egos are our small selves, our self-centered beings, our self-focused selves, those lesser selves that dominate way too often in the lives that we live, which is what we see other people do. Everyone is drug around by their egos, and so it begins to feel like a normal state of being, that we all are just made to posture and protect and pretend and to play this game with each other and often with ourselves. It's why people fight. It's why people steal. It's why people lie. It's why nations go to war. It's why people are afraid. It's why many people in our culture work themselves to the bone rather than find that harmony and peacefulness to live our lives in. I saw an Ellen Goodman quote this week. She said, normal is dressing up in clothes that you buy for work and driving through rush hour traffic in a car that you're still trying to pay for because you need to get to work in order to pay for the clothes and the car and the home that you leave vacant all day while you're at work. Even in this sarcastic statement, we can begin to sense that something is amiss. There's a falseness to our actions. We feel imprisoned by our egos. And so Jesus provides his followers these three examples of how ego confuses and distorts and pollutes our intentions. He uses three examples from religious life, but I suppose he'd be fine with you using an example that is relevant to your own life. Things that you do with the intention of good, but somehow get diverted, twisted, corrupted, moved from your true self back into your ego-laced small self. He uses the examples of giving an offering in church. He uses the example of prayer. He uses the example of fasting or denying yourself. All things that are good, the church commends them. These are things that religious people do. But Jesus is quick to point out, giving your offering, as good as it is, can be twisted into a sense of superiority, into a sense of competition, a sense of pride. We may want to ask ourselves, what are those areas in our life at Highland where we feel prideful, superior? Maybe it's our efforts at combating racism or our efforts to be more inclusive. We begin to feel prideful. What are those places for us akin to giving an offering and having it turn on us to really reveal our false self, our shadow self? He offers the example of prayer. How prayer tuned into God can somehow be twisted so that it becomes about us. God, 
Look how good I am praying to you. I'm sure you're very impressed with me and my prayers. We would never say that. But there's a piece of who we are that thinks it, that feels justified. Or take the example of fasting, which seems a great way to fight against your ego, to to discipline yourself and rein yourself in. But how quickly this good act can actually become an action of self-virtue, being in self-control. In other words, the ego is all about me. All about me. Captured by my ego, even when I act in religious ways, I'm acting for myself rather than for God, even as I go through the motions of it all being about God. i got to tell you, this feels embarrassing. I didn't know that Jesus was reading my diary and my emails, but apparently so. And so he names how the ego corrupts our actions and keeps us from what we most need and I think what we most desire at our core. I think we most seek that connection with God, our source, that allows us to understand ourselves and this world a little more beautifully and expansively. To be able to celebrate on this weekend of freedom The good gift of freedom that is God's for all people, everywhere, in all times. And to experience within our own lives that sacred sense of our our worth as children of God. That comes not because we've done everything perfectly. None of us have. But rather it comes by virtue of who we are at birth. We are the children of God. Every boy, every girl. Every baby born is a child of God. To come to this discovery is to awaken and to begin to step into what last week I called God's core values. What God most dreams for this world, which is that there's enough for everyone. And so there's extravagance on the part not only of God, but of God's people to welcome and include and bless and love all people into their wholeness and life that God wants for them. And so Jesus, thankfully, doesn't scuttle generosity or prayer or fasting, but he invites us to do something different with them, to do them out of a, a different egoless frame. So he says, when you give your money, do it privately, do it quietly, so that it's known only to God, instead of for human praise and adulation and sometimes even jealousy of those around you. This private generosity, Jesus says, invites this sacred connection to a God who is bigger who works in you and works through you, but you're only a small part of it. But you are a part, so you give your part. And the same with prayer. Don't just blather on, says Jesus. Don't try to outward the word that created heavens and earth and everything, including words. Let prayer be naming and centering yourself in this most intimate 
real relationship with the source, with the one who cannot be controlled, but who knows you and me so intimately. You can feel it in those words. Our Father. Father. Our Father. In heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will. It's about you. It's not about me. And then to fast. Do it, Jesus says, not to impress, but do it interiorly so that you abstain from your addiction, whatever it is. Maybe it's a substance. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your popularity to abstain from it so that you can be freed from your small self in order to be who God has created you to be. I've quoted many times from this pulpit my raggedy old friend Elton Bailey. Elton was my friend in Texas. He mostly looked like a homeless guy. He was a tobacco-chewing, beer-drinking guy, but one of the wisest people I've ever met. He said to me one day, you know, you have to be good for nothing. Think about it. You got to be good for nothing. If you're good for a reward, as Jesus said, you've received your reward. But if you're good for nothing, if you do goodness out of goodness, for goodness, you suddenly find yourself walking in step with the God who gives, who communes, who self-limits in order to give these good gifts to the world. This inclination to join those good-for-nothing people, to be good for goodness sake, that very inclination is the voice of God speaking inside of you and me. To come, to be whole, to find that larger self that, that God wants us all to live out of. Paul wrote to the Romans one day, He said, God has imprisoned us all in disobedience so that God may be merciful to all. In other words, our humanity, we're all imprisoned in this ego life. But there's this voice calling us, this voice of mercy inviting us out of that space and into a better space. And when by the mercies of God we're able to step out of our egos, we find, I think... This freedom, this liberation that cannot be known in any other way. It doesn't matter if we're in jail. It doesn't matter if we're occupied by the Romans or by the British. It doesn't matter if, as many of us are, captured by multinational corporations. Paul says... I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. That's freedom. He would later say, it doesn't matter to me whether I'm alive or dead. Whether I live or die, I'm the Lord's. That's freedom. Now I must say that I've known those verses of scripture since I was a little boy. I have a feeling they were among those verses that I learned when I was a little kid doing what they called sword drills, which was kind of Bible speed contests. I've heard these verses all my life. 
And yet they've always felt foreign to me. They've always felt like the language of super Christians. But on this 4th of July weekend, it occurs to me that these aren't super Christian words. These are super liberated words, super freedom words, where we're freed from our smaller self and our ego, and thus we're able to experience this harmony with God. It doesn't matter where I am. I'm content. It doesn't matter what's happening to me. I'm at peace. To experience God in oneself, to be able to see God in others, and to realize that God is bigger and more beautiful and more inclusive than, frankly, most of our religious expressions. Then we have the freedom to see that Sometimes opposites and sometimes things that are ambiguous and sometimes those points of disagreement are actually things that could hold us together and make us better together than we are apart. I think this is the truth that sets us free. Judgmentalism, racism, Homophobia, fundamentalism, sexism, patriarchy, nationalism on this 4th of July weekend. They're not seeking after the truth. Each one of those in their own way are seeking after control. Jesus comes to set us free from this need to control and allow us to be the people that God's calling us to be. Thanks be to God. Amen. And so this morning we include as part of this act of worship coming to the sacred table. This is a table that is not about me or you. It's not about qualifications or qualities except for the qualifications and qualities of God who says whosoever will may come. There is a great connection here to God, revealed in Jesus, who said, this is my body, this is my blood. So those who have experienced, even for a moment, this freedom from the ego can eat from this table with great freedom and delight and confirmation that we are becoming the body of Christ, the people God dreams us to be. Let's prepare now to come to the table of the Lord by standing together and saying these words to one another. May the peace of Christ be with you and also with you.